Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Movies. My name is Daniel Berrios. I'm going to be your host tonight, and we're here to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie. But before I continue on with the review, it's time to take care of some business. Taking care of business every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at the movies underscore pod, Instagram at the movies pod, and letterboxd at letterbox.com slash Daniel underscore Berrios. That is B-E-R-R-I-O-S. You can rate the show on Spotify, one to five stars. You can also do so on Apple Podcasts. But additionally, and more importantly to my purposes, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions for the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I will read that review on the next episode. So if you have any information to add about a movie that I didn't mention, if you have any comments about the show in general if you have any recommendations any questions please leave that in an apple podcast review and i will get to it when i see it but now business is concluded let's talk about the super mario brothers movie i saw this thing on a monday 7 p.m and that bitch was fucking packed i remember selecting my seed at that point in time it was the only seat in that row so i chose the middle and i show up usually trying to skip the trailers now because for some reason movie theaters still have not put 
the trailers in the actual runtime of the movie. So when you look up something, and for like Super Mario, it says an hour and 30 minutes. You're like, okay, cool. I show up at 7, I should leave at 8.30, right? Wrong. You're leaving at 9 because they put 30 fucking minutes of trailers before the actual movie. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. So I usually just come in late. And I showed up a little bit late into the movie, but thankfully, because I saw the teaser trailer, the opening scene of the movie pretty much is that teaser trailer, so I already kind of knew it was going down. I walk into this thing. I look at my row. The entire row is packed, except for that one lone seat in the middle, so God bless the signed seating. Although I find that some karmic retribution led to me having to sit next to a guy who smelled like menthols and really buttery popcorn. And that kind of harshed my buzz a bit. But going into the Super Mario Brothers thing, it's the second time they've attempted this property. The first one being in, I believe, 93, the live-action version starring Bob Hoskins as Mario and John Leguizamo as Luigi. Uh pretty infamously maligned at the time, although now there's been sort of a cult resurgence, I guess, respecting how it goes for Gonzo at times, and uh, people like Dennis Hopper, even though Dennis Hopper looks damn near nothing like a fire-breathing dragon turtle. But now that Illumination Entertainment has taken over, they've incorporated more of the world-building of the games. This isn't a movie that's built off of just one game. It's kind of an amalgam of the entire franchise. All the way from Mario's origins with fucking Donkey Kong in 81. And then you've got stuff from Mario Bros. And then Super Mario Bros. is in there. But then you'll have spinoffs. Like a scene where Mario is driving the cart. The go-karts. And hell, not even like Mario Kart 64. They'll even include stuff from like the Wii versions of the kart games. The references and the ideas that are introduced to this thing and mixed together span a solid almost 50 years of video game lore. And if you're a nerd like me who's pointing out damn near everything you can find and realizing that you're not going to be able to find everything on the first jump, and also recognizing that it's not even limited to the Mario franchise that the references will come off on. You'll look at stuff from, like, any NES game, like Duck Hunt or Punch-Out. It's ridiculous how much... I think at one point, Mario is playing what I can only describe as, I think, Kid Icarus, which is fucking bizarre. But yeah... That's kind of what we're dealing with. It's a celebration of the Nintendo properties. And the one thing I know about Illumination is that they will not hesitate to throw in as many references to a previous IP as possible. You know, that's just their MO. And fortunately, their animation looks good to where when you're introducing something with, you know, as much of a template to build a world on as Mario as much media and diverse styles of media and generations of media as Mario has, all you really got to do is just kind of copy and paste that world building and you'll be pretty successful. Ironically, the parts of this movie that don't visually gel with me are the parts that are left to explicitly illumination. You know, the characters that aren't based off of the Mario characters look like characters out of Despicable Me 
or minions. They'll have these like bulbous faces and noses and they don't gel at all. It it genuinely looks like these characters have come from another movie. I think there's a sequence where Mario and Luigi have to, you know, fix uh, someone's faucet. And the people they're helping look like characters from Secret Life of Pets, from the Grinch movie, from in, uh, Despicable Me. It's kind of like the house style of Illumination, generic human characters at this point. And it really sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's just one of the things that kind of irks me. But for the most part, this stuff does resemble the video games pretty damn well. It translates them relatively faithfully. Uh, you'll look at locations like Peach's Castle, which is just gorgeous. It doesn't quite resemble something like the Super Mario 64 uh, game, but it feels like you took an actual palace and just made it look like Princess Peach's stuff. Sometimes when Mario is uh, running up the road to lead to that castle, it reminds me of like the opening sequences of something like Super Mario Galaxy 2, where you're going and seeing this community for all of what it is. I think some of the, uh, I think there's a reference to some of the mini games that are in there where you can get like coins. I, I don't know. There are to there are toads lining up, and it looks like if you were to interact with those people in sort of a video game style, it reminds me of some of the mini games that I would get. But I digress. There's a bunch of pipes. There's a bunch of blocks. I like that they take the question blocks from the game and sort of give them this sort of boost of visual energy that it's not just you punch it and then something comes out. It genuinely feels like you have to break something open in order to achieve getting a power-up or whatnot. The actual power-up animations aren't resembling of the game. They feel more like they're coming from Mario's point of view, not some omniscient narrator, which is us playing the video game. You know, you could imagine that if you're a small, rotund Italian plumber and you eat a magic mushroom that makes you grow twice your size and gives you superpowers, that you would see that transformation way differently. And the movie does present it as such. I love the way they're incorporating the power-ups in here. You see pretty much everything. You know, the raccoon suit that helps you fly, the flower that whenever you touch it, you get fireball power. It's, it's cool shit. And one of the things that I appreciate about this movie the most is that it's taking the gameplay and adapting it to a cinematic f format where, you know, the camera isn't just side-scrolling along with you. There's this TikTok I've been seeing recently going around uh, my For You page that puts side-by-side, -side, <sighs> excuse me, a uh, level from new super mario brothers i think the ones from the wii and that one's more of like a a typical side scrolling mario platforming adventure updated with wii level graphics of course and you see that level compared to something that you see in the movie which is treated more as an obstacle course and watching the way that the game is able to basically take that structure of the level and adapt it to really include what it's like from Mario's point of view where he has to jump extremely high and he has to smash these big blocks in order to get under things and then dodge these weapons and these uh, piranha plants that are living inside the warp pipe, you know, that kind of thing. I love that the camera will 
take it into different heights and turn around to really like give you a, a sense of uh, I guess a 3D sense of motion more so than in the games that stuff was a great ad- adaptation for me there are moments in the game there are moments in the movie that replicate the side scroller of the game and that wasn't too explicitly similar you know it does remind me of some of those moments where you are just kind of like hopping up and climbing things and going down and kind of fighting enemies and dodging obstacles in your path that that kind of stuff really works for me and that's kind of what's most easy to fall in love with with this movie is just seeing that the things that are in the video game are adapted in such a way that it feels appropriate because we're now seeing this from the character's points of view as opposed to us holding a controller being sort of like the god controlling them in a sense you know mario if mario were running he's not aware of the quote-unquote right side of the screen yet he's only focused on what's in front of him and so the movie adapts itself in that way and that's what makes that part really work um the things that I'm kind of, I guess, struggling with would be more of the just more of the story stuff. You know, there'll be parts that are kind of nonsensical. Like if Mario in this universe, I guess, is sort of this new guy, the only powers that he gets are coming from like the power-ups that he receives from these question blocks. Uh, and you know, there's this sort of time of the es- time is of the essence thing. You know, Princess Peach has this plan in order to kind of unite all the kingdoms of the realm, almost like fucking Aragorn does in Lord of the Rings. And go in opposition of Bowser, who is incredibly powerful and taking over kingdoms and lands. And, you know, Bowser played by the always charming and honestly at this time genuinely threatening Jack Black. Uh, he's leading his Koopa Trooper army and army of, like, dry bones and bombs and all of these, like, crazy obstacle villains from the Mario franchise to basically take over the Mushroom Kingdom and rule the entire universe of that video game as you know it. And Princess Peach hatches this plan. Time is of the essence, and yet they spend, like, five minutes dicking around on this obstacle course. Five minutes in movie time, but the way the movie goes along, it's like you spend like a day and a half dicking around in this. Like, I I don't know why that needed to be there in that sense. You know, it would feel more appropriate if this were, I don't know, treated like, like I remember watching something like Anastasia where they're doing like a montage of her sort of like learning high society as they're going on the journey. And I would have rather had that, you know, give me the video game levels as part of the journey, not as part of this prerequisite before the journey. If you're really out here like, oh my God, Bowser's going to kill us at any moment. Quick, let's take a couple days just to let Mario learn how to fucking jump around the Mushroom Kingdom. Blah. I was like, buddy, uh urgency we, we we need some urgency here that kind of stuff's a little odd uh there are some 
there are some, I guess, character threads that just feel like they're plug-and-play excuses to have the movie. You know, and even for something like a Mario movie, which is essentially just a hero's journey, it really much is a hero tries to save a princess from a dragon. That's it. That is the bulk of this movie. And really, in this movie, we're just going to replace princess with brother because Luigi is the one that's captured by Bowser after they fall into a warp pipe from their hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Yes, you heard that right, Brooklyn, New York, into the warp pipe that leads them to the Mushroom Kingdom. And because it's all created of pipes and like warp energy or whatever, Luigi gets banished into Bowser Kingdom. And Mario ends up, you know, with the toads and Princess Peach and blah, 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 blah. But it's a very simple story. Mario tried to save brother from evil uh, turtle dragon. And I find that they're throwing in these sort of character threads that are supposed to lead to an arc that I never really found happened. No. The only person they kind of give a potential for an arc in this movie is Luigi, played by Charlie Day, who is a wuss. And so at that point, if he's a weenie, there's a place for him to go where he can kind of be brave and stand up for the little people. But Mario is always the defensive older brother, and he never really changes. So I don't understand why they're introducing such threads as, like, the Mario's parents being ashamed of them because they decided, God forbid, to start their own business. And, you know, this isn't like starting your own business doing, like, an oat milk bar or some shit like that. They're fucking plumbers. Like, everybody needs a plumber. It's not, like... It's not a foolish endeavor to try and start your own plumbing business, especially, in all places, New York. Like... I, I don't understand what the point of that is. I It's such sort of like a haphazard construction of a narrative to give Mario and Luigi some opposition before they go to the Mushroom Kingdom that can create some sort of like character arc that doesn't really exist for them because, like, whatever. It's mostly ignored and rolled into the regular plot of, like, man fights dragon for brother. And I found like it was just sort of some screenwriter's excuse to give people that sort of four-quadrant appeal. Like, if you've never played a Mario game in your life, they're like, oh, well, people can identify with trying to start a business and failing, sort of like the American dream. Like, you essentially have to roll in your American dream to a Mario story so boomers can understand what the hell you're talking about. When... Honestly, if you'd have just made it even simpler and started in the Mushroom Kingdom, then it would have been just... Hell, you didn't even really need that opening. You could have just started with them discovering this warp pipe as part of their business and them getting trapped in a Mushroom Kingdom and just made it a story about a guy trying to save his brother from a dragon. It's pretty fucking straightforward. But instead, we're introduced to people like Mario's family when... God, there's a part of me that really just gets my heart broken because Mario in this movie is played by Chris Pratt of Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy fame. But the original voice of Mario from the video games, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, 
Charles Martinet does show up in this movie as Mario's dad and another character called Giuseppe. And I hear the um, the original voice more in Giuseppe. He just sort of has that higher-pitched uh, Italian stereotype of a voice that we all know and love from Mario. But in this one, I just... Uh, Pratt is just kind of reading the lines. What endears me to Mario is not the performance, the vocal performance, but rather the design of the character. You know, there are parts in this movie where Mario is getting the crap kicked out of him, and so in a game where the only damage you see on Mario is either going from big to small or from regular size to, like, uber tiny with a poison mushroom, seeing, you know, bumps and swells and bruises on Mario's face is a welcome change of pace. You know, it gives the characters fight a little bit more visual stakes and I like that Mario's insecurities are on full blast because you actually get to see more facial expressions this time around I like that whenever you're hanging out with Princess Peach played by Anya Taylor-Joy there are some parts of her that are kind of adorkable and parts that are a little bit manic you know, and her trying to, I guess, call Mario, even though she doesn't really have any confidence in him and has this like really wide ear to ear, like shit eating grin, you know, that kind of stuff is personality that I like. But that isn't part of the voice performance. That's part of the design. And so when I'm looking at somebody like Chris Pratt, who's kind of just saying the lines and doing a tolerable job as Mario. Now, he at least is trying sometimes to include some of the catchphrases like let's go and woohoo, but not in the same style. It's in the Chris Pratt voice. I'm just reminded of how much personality you could just give Mario by letting the man who is in charge of his voice play the character. Like, let Charles Martinet really sell Mario, and y'all would have been fine. I'm in the same boat with Anya Taylor-Joy's performance, too. It comes across kind of reminding me of... Uh, it's a little... It's wooden, that performance, and I don't really buy it. I know they're supposed to have her come off as sort of this leader and tough and sort of, like, confident and headstrong, but I never really felt any of that in the delivery. It just feels like she's reading off of a script on a on a music stand, you know? That's it, kind of what it comes across to me. There are a few characters that kind of make it work are, and I'm not even going to include this, but I am going to mention this. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong really works, and I think it's because Illumination Entertainment designed this Donkey Kong character around Seth Rogen's strengths. They designed him as basically a man-child and a sarcastic dick. <laughs> and so getting these sort of sneers and these... Uh, jock grins out of Donkey Kong and having Seth Rogen's <laughs> come out of that too, that works. That's a good marriage of uh, performer and character. Where I think the performances are elevated are in two performances. Number one being Charlie Day as Luigi. Because Charlie Day, one of the more recognizable voices of my Youth, like I, anytime I hear a Charlie Day role, I know that sort of like high pitched man child squeak is his. But in this one, he tones a lot of his like it's always sunny personality down. 
and gets a little bit more cowardly, but also he's, I guess, cutting off more of the uh, sort of high-pitched groan of his voice and really letting the timbre kind of relax a bit. And I did really enjoy his performance. It seemed like he captured sort of the the fear that Luigi has, the nervousness, the little brother syndrome that Luigi has always had. And combined with that animation, works really well. But as I'm sure a lot of you will say, the MVP of this movie is Jack Black as Bowser. And Jack Black just is having, one, the most to work with. I mean, you've got a Bowser that is genuinely threatening, and it helps that the animation makes it that he is larger than life, damn near bigger than anyone he comes across, including Donkey Kong. He's a formidable foe, and he blows these grandiose fireballs that could destroy a kingdom in nothing flat, and Jack Black has some menace to his voice. He has some gravitas to his timbre. But then when you get Bowser's silly, more ludicrous styles, like in games where, hell, Bowser will wear a cat suit and he'll uh, climb the, the buildings for Mario to chase after, or he'll try to... I guess in this one, his goal is to like fall in love with Princess Peach. And so that sort of tough veneer is broken because all he wants is love and his peach. You know, that's where the silliness and the goofiness of Jack Black comes out. And the charisma comes out, too. In multiple ways. There's stuff that's darkly funny. There's stuff that's just loosey-goosey. You know, Jack Black sings. Because, you know, the fucking tenacious D, Jack Black fucking has to sing. Like, it, it's, you can't have a man with that golden of a voice and not use every opportunity in the book. It's one of those performances that when I look back, it's like a couple rungs under something like Robin Williams' Genie or Eddie Murphy's Donkey. You know, the, the character is not that strong in the story to really, like, completely take over and win and make the movie the greatest thing in the world but god if jack black and bowser aren't a match made in heaven and a performance that works so incredibly well i really don't know what the fuck is so watching that version of the story watching bowser go off is easily the best part of this movie and it's the part where it feels like oh man they really fucking found something here, and they really latched on to gold. Uh, what else am I going to talk about with this? It is pretty straightforward movie, so I don't really have too much to say. I am getting this sensation of sort of like... A, it, it feels like one of the later era Disney movies, where which have video game plots anyway. I mean, you've got the character doing a want and the character having to go on an adventure and you go through three levels or three worlds or three set pieces in the movie and then you're almost done at the end when it's very much a straightforward hero's journey. I kind of wish this were either more streamlined or a little bit longer just to give the characters a bit more time to breathe. 
you know, one of the more beautiful parts of the movie is Princess Peach talking about the world she lives in and where she comes from while uh, her, Mario, and Toad are hanging out, like, do at a campfire for the night, basically. You know, that kind of moment I could latch on to just a little bit more. I like the expansiveness of this world and being able to experience just a little bit more of it and make it feel more like an actual arduous journey rather than something that just is kind of like over in a zip zam and zoom would have made the movie come across a little bit better to me so i don't know you either streamline the fuck out of it and just go for what it is or you give it a little bit more boom and gravitas and give the characters a little bit more to chew on especially mario especially mario uh i don't really know how i feel I, I know how I feel, and I know I'm disappointed by the following, that this is doing sort of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe test run of like, oh, we're not going to go full-blown crazy yet. We're not just going to introduce magical worlds without any context, so we're going to have Mario be from Brooklyn, New York, from Earth. When even in the video games, they have, in Super Mario Odyssey, a city world. It's not Earth. I think it's called New Donk City or something like that. Uh, hell, they even have one of the characters from that version of the game as a character in this movie, but they always have to tie it back to Earth as if like people need that sort of terrestrial context in order to allow any sort of fantastical element to be in their movie. And God, have hasn't 15 plus years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe taught audiences or studio executives that we're totally fine with it? Really, all we need is just things that happened in the game. I don't need this stuff from my world. I already live in my world. I don't give a fuck about my world. You know, why can't you let them be plumbers in the Mushroom Kingdom? I mean, does Peach not take a shit? Like, you can't fix toilets in the Mushroom Kingdom and then boom, a dragon appears? You know, that kind of stuff is the simple part of it. Or hell, if you are going to go the route of them trying to start their own business, just do it within the world that's already created. Because otherwise, now I have to think about how this universe has Earth and then the Mushroom Kingdom as part of it. And is he going to jump back and forth like Thor through the Rainbow Bridge? In this case, it's a warp pipe. It's just such a, I guess, an unnecessary addition to the story that I found it to be a little more than a distraction. But for all of its just sort of awkward placements and story sequiturs that don't really make sense, I found just the enjoyment of watching a video game come to life worked for me for Mario. And I find that that'll work for a lot of y'all too. There are two after credit scenes. One of them in the middle is just... A, a great bit of fun and it continues a joke from the movie and I just had a good time. The second one is more of like the sequel tease, like your Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. Although I found this one to be a little weird because there are elements that are brought up in the scene that are originally seen like in one of the montages of the movie. I, I found like if they would have cut that original montage that this scene at the end would have really had the big impact and some weight. But if I've already seen what they're going to present to me earlier in the movie, it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, so what? <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me that much. 
So I don't know. I figure with that last post credit, I think y'all could skip it. And if you're really interested, the clips are going to be on YouTube by the time this review was up anyway. But that's going to be it. It's a a solid recommendation for me for the Super Mario Brothers movie. I've been playing these games since I was like six years old. Uh, first one of these, I guess, was Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins on Game Boy. And I've played all the way up until the Switch is Super Mario Odyssey. So I've gotten a lot of Mario reps in throughout my time. Uh, the only thing I'm missing is I want Mario Baseball and I want more Mario Sunshine. Like, if we could just have a weird Super Mario Sunshine spinoff, that entire video game is just so bizarre and so unique and of its own t- ilk that I'd, I kind of want to see it in real life. Uh, but yeah, where are we going to go next? We're probably going to introduce some more characters. I mean, this already is the highest grossing video adaptation of all time. I think it made $375 million over the Easter uh, five-day weekend just worldwide. And it's rep- it's uh, regarded right now as the most likely um, f- front runner to be the first billion-dollar movie of the year. And I think it's breaking that easily. There's absolutely no way that this kind of momentum drops. Hell, I don't even know what the next kids movie is really going to be. Technically, you could argue it's Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just because of that crossover appeal. But like for little kids, which sometimes this movie plays to, and especially the the Illumination crowd. I mean, hell, Rise of Gru, I think, almost cracked a billion dollars. And that was just the umpteenth Despicable Me universe movie. I can't imagine with something like an IP of Mario, which is a global icon among multiple generations, this thing's going to make Buku's fucking money. So a review like this feels weird if you haven't seen it because I feel like most of you already have. But yeah, it's a, if you haven't seen it, I'd say it's a marginal recommendation for me. If you like the Mario games, you're probably going to find something to like in this. I would just expect not much story. And the story that's there can feel a little weird and a little bit too like, oh, screenwriter tries to explain Mario to you. The things that Mario doesn't need to have explained. Like, uh, why does Mario have that weird stereotypical Italian accent? That's explained in this movie. And that creates some ideas of like, huh, is Mario just like engaging in performative racist tropes? I don't fucking know. But anyway, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the movies. Like I said in the business, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. All of that information is going to be in the description below. Please rate and review the show. You can rate it on Spotify, one through five stars. And if you're going to rate on Apple Podcasts, you might as well review. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know if I missed anything from Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Uh, If you have any questions, please leave that there too, and I will read it on the next episode. But I shall close you out with a song that I've been listening to from a band who has made an album that I've been listening to and kind of obsessed for the last year. It's a band called Pup. It's an album called Morbid Stuff. And this song is called See You at Your Funeral. So, my friends, take care of each other, take care of yourselves, and take care of the movies. I'll see you around.